Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the Liberals survive their second confidence vote in less than a month. It's a good decision. It's the right decision. It, it allows the government to continue its important work in the middle of this, this pandemic. pandemic. Uh, as you know, we also made a very reasonable uh, proposition to the other parties to, for the creation of this uh, special committee. And I'm still waiting to, to hear and, and discuss with the, my, my counterparts. A parliamentary committee calls on the government to sanction Beijing, accusing China of genocide. You know, I think that the idea that the government's patiently been trying to build a coalition against China to, to secure the release of the two Michaels, it hasn't worked. And I think that the, the, the government is going to try something else, and this may be something else. And rising COVID cases prompt the European Union to remove Canada from the approved travelers list. Canada has now passed a total of 200,000 cases of COVID-19 since the spring, with almost 22,000 active cases across the country today. Here and around the world, the fight against this virus is far from over. It's Thursday, October 22nd. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by National Post columnist John Iveson. John, thank you for being with us. Morning, Mark. So the government has survived one confidence motion, but there's another motion coming from the Conservatives. The game of brinksmanship is not over yet. What are some of the lessons so far from what's been playing out on Parliament Hill with the Liberals, the Conservatives, the NDP, the Greens, the Bloc? Every party has taken a different approach to this. Uh, What do you think about what's happened so far? Well, the fact that there is a second motion coming, it does raise the question, what is normal parliamentary procedure and what is non-confidence in the government? I mean, the Conservatives must be looking at this. I'm sure they don't want to go through this again. And they must be looking at the motion they're bringing forward now and thinking, well, is this this normal business or are we now getting into potentially paralyzing the government again in the government's eyes? It's so ridiculous. It's a totally manufactured crisis, manufactured by Justin Trudeau, who proclaims that he's he has uh, got the the interests of the well-being of Canadians at heart. But it seems to me his his uh, focus is on the well-being of the Liberal Party of Canada. I mean, every minority government wants to win back its majority or win a majority, and that seems to be the focus here because the polls suggest they could win a majority in an election, and they have really made a, a folly and a mockery of, of, of Parliament at the moment because the normal parliamentary business, I mean, what opposition day motion does not question the competence and virtue of the government? Every single one of them that's, that's come up in my 20 years on Parliament Hill has done that. So to deem this one in particular uh, an issue of confidence was unprecedented. What do you think about this second motion? And and I think most people, even conservatives, were breathing a sigh of relief yesterday that an election was avoided. Um, but they are going to push back. There is still the issue, of course, behind these motions, which is the the uh, the the lack of transparency from the opposition's perspective uh, of the of the government on issues related to the we controversy, um, and the government pushing back and saying, "Well, we don't really have time for that because we're focused on the second wave." Uh, so, what are your thoughts about all of that and how uh, how that's playing out in the public's eyes? Well, I mean, this motion calls for the production of documents on the on the health front. Um, a sweeping probe of the House of Commons Health Committee. 
you know, again, the government could say, well, we're, we're too busy to do this. I mean, that was Pablo, Pablo Rodriguez's argument the other day that this would be, uh, that this new committee would have sweeping powers to demand the appearance of ministers, the prime minister. It would uh, tie up bureaucrats and essentially paralyze the government. Well, same argument could be made in this case. So I think that, um, you know, if the, the, the government is intent on an election, frankly, I don't know why Justin Trudeau just doesn't want to wander across the Rideau Hall grounds to the, the governor generals and demand an election rather than go through this charade of really grinding normal parliamentary procedure to a halt. I mean, there are, it does raise, raise questions for all the other parties. You know, I think that the, uh, the leader of the opposition, Erno Tool, overreached. I mean, he's got to be conscious of the fact that if we do go to an election now, he may be the shortest lived conservative leader in the party's history. I mean, if they if they really do get hammered in, in an election, and I think they would get hammered because at the moment, people are anxious. They're afraid. They One third, according to a poll we had last week, suggests that they're, they would be destitute without government support. I mean, they are not going to bite the hand that feeds them. And we've seen that in New Brunswick. I mean, I suspect we're going to see it again in British Columbia and probably in Saskatchewan too, where elections are taking place. So the Conservatives have got to be careful of overreaching. You know, they've, they've got to be, they've got to do their uh, their job of being the official opposition and questioning and probing. But they can't be stupid about it. At the same time, the the NDP are in a real spot. I mean, they don't, they can't afford an election. They don't want an election, but their support is dipping. They're losing their sense of identity. And you could see by the looks on the faces of the MPs yesterday as they voted in support of the government that they were not happy about it. I mean, many of them looked, quite frankly, mutinous as they voted against the motion. So there are questions here for for all sides, but mainly for the government. I mean, main, and frankly, mainly for the Prime Minister. I was quite surprised to see Christian Freeland yesterday saying, you've got to vote against this motion because all the things that we are trying to do on the wage subsidy and the rent subsidy require legislation to be brought forward and passed. That seemed to be more of an argument against the brinksmanship than for it. And it, it did seem to me that she was more concerned with the economy and probably wasn't in full agreement with her own prime minister. And what about the NDP in this? There, there have been critics of the NDP for propping up the government. Uh, there's, there's a lot at stake, obviously, for the NDP. If there is an election, um, many people feel they're the party that is the least ready for an election right now. So what does that say about that party's future? Well, I do think that they're, they're being absorbed by the Liberal Party at the moment. I mean, most of the, the policies being put forward by the Liberals could easily be NDP policies. The NDP have managed to bring some concessions from the from the Liberals, mainly in the, the COVID response uh, bill, which came out last month. But in this case... Jagmeet Singh was quite clear that the Liberals weren't interested in negotiating. The uh, the NDP gained no concessions, in which case it was, a, it was a hard case to make that they were going to prop them up, essentially. You know, this is a, a government that doesn't want to be propped up anymore. So I think at some point he has to think, look forward to a, a more substantive issue, presumably the fiscal update that's coming down next, late next month, and think, well, this could be the opportunity to break with the Liberals and not support them. You know, if the, if the NDP makes demands that the uh, the Liberals do not fulfil in that uh, fiscal update, then he's quite justified 
in saying he's not going to support the the update and then leave one of the other parties in the difficult position of either supporting it or going to an election. All right, let's turn to a couple of other stories. A parliamentary committee has suggested that that Canada should uh, condemn Beijing, the Chinese government, uh, accusing China of genocide. Uh, and uh, this, of course, is is going to be part of the uh, is, is going to be viewed through the lens of the bigger story of Canada-China relations right now. Uh, the standoff that has existed for some time over the two detained Canadians and the arrest of Meng Wanzhou. Uh, so, uh, what do you think about this development with uh, with this committee? Well, it is the first parliamentary body to label Beijing's conduct in uh, Xinjiang genocide. From that point of view, it is obviously. Of note, the committee is obviously as well cross-party, um, dominated by the opposition, but there are liberals on it. So you've got, you know, it, it's got a, a fairly important voice in Canadian-China policy. I think it is it, it is a, a, a foretaste of what we're going to get from the from the Canadian government. I mean, we've seen Erno O'Toole, the leader of the opposition, coming out with a hard line on China. I think that's forcing the the Canadian government to to take a harder line itself, if only from a domestic political point of view. And so I think that at some point, the idea that we have these Magnitsky-style sanctions against Chinese officials for for uh, behaviour in in uh, Xinjiang, I think that that's something the government might come on board with. That would be a very tangible expression of its displeasure with what's happening. You know, I think that the idea that the government's patiently been trying to build a coalition against China to, to secure the release of the two Michaels. It hasn't worked. And I think that the, the, the government is going to try something else, and this may be something else. And let's turn to the coronavirus pandemic and uh, how the Canadian government is handling it and some of the implications of what's going on with the second wave in Canada now. It appears as though, according to some media reports internationally, that the European Union is considering uh, imposing a ban on Canadian travellers for the time being. In other words, removing Canadian travellers from their approved travellers list. Uh, which uh, presumably would be a reflection of what's going on in Canada with the rise in the number of infections. Right, and we've seen a 17% rise in infections in the last two weeks. We're now well in excess of the the numbers per day that we were seeing in the, in the spring. So there is obviously an issue in Canada. At the same time, the, the, the rate of infection per 100,000 people in Canada is... You know, one-third of the level in France, uh, one-quarter of the level in Spain, one-half the level in the UK. So we're we're not uh, one of the worst countries hit by this pandemic. I think the, the saving grace for, for Canadians as well is that not all European countries uh, seem to uh, enforce these, these EU lists. France has not placed restrictions on visitors from countries that are not on the list. Uh, Germany has its own method of looking at this. Italy requires self-isolation and hasn't barred countries that, if, that are not on the list. So I don't think that this necessarily shuts down Europe for Canadian travellers, but obviously it is a, a indicative of the problem we're facing in Canada at the moment. All right, John, thanks for sharing your insights on all of this. Have a great day. Thank you, Mark. Same to you. That's John Iveson of the National Post. We are not going to give the Prime Minister the election he's looking for. We are going to continue to work for people. We're going to continue to fight for the things that people need.
Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In an editorial, the Toronto Star argues the NDP is right to prevent a pointless federal election. The Star writes, Jagmeet Singh will no doubt get a lot of stick in Ottawa for propping up the Trudeau government and avoiding a federal election. The vast majority of Canadians outside the Parliament Hill bubble, however, will thank the NDP leader for sparing the country weeks of unnecessary campaigning in the midst of the most severe health and economic crisis of modern times. At ctvnews.ca, Don Martin calls Justin Trudeau the master of parliamentary manipulation. Martin writes, The only rationale for Trudeau to bait the election hook was a strong Liberal showing in the polls and a series of provincial elections that proved majority government victories are possible even when early votes are held while wearing masks and social distancing. As a political calculation, if a win is all that matters, it's not totally stupid because a majority win was possible, if not probable. In the National Observer, Scott Sinclair argues Joe Biden's Buy American plans shouldn't scare Canadians. Sinclair writes, Should Joe Biden win in the presidential election, he plans on introducing a slate of new Buy American policies as part of a pandemic recovery program. Though some segments in Canada may cringe at that thought, it is not such a bad thing. As our main trading partner and neighbor, when the U.S. economy thrives, Canada's does too. Canadians seem to like Biden. There is much to like in his economic renewal plans as well. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. Even with yesterday's confidence vote come and gone, the House of Commons will spend another day debating a call from the Conservatives for more disclosure of government documents. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more. Mark Tuesday's opposition day quickly escalated into the government declaring the Conservative motion asking for the creation of an anti-corruption committee into a full-blown confidence vote. Today, MPs will spend the whole day debating another request from the Conservatives for documents and disclosure, but this time it's not regarding the We Charity controversy, but rather health issues. Conservative health critic Michelle Rempel Gardner's Opposition Day motion calls on the Trudeau government to disclose documents relating to the decision to shut down the Canadian government's pandemic early warning system, also documents relating to where we are on PPE procurement, and documents to shed light on the government's decisions and approvals of rapid COVID testing techniques. The similarity with the previous Opposition Day motion is that both of them stem from the Conservatives' complaints that the Liberals, they say, are obstructing their request for information, this time at the Commons Health Committee. The difference, of course, will be that this time the request for documents is probably unlikely to escalate into a full-fledged confidence vote. But who knows these days? Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will speak with the Mayor of Halifax, followed by a virtual visit to a small business in Saint-Anne-des-Monts, Quebec, along with Minister of National Revenue, Diane Le Boutelier. He will also make virtual visits to a small business in Oakville, Ontario, and Vincent Massey Collegiate in Winnipeg. Defence Minister Harjit Sajjan will take part in the NATO Defence Minister's meeting via video conference. Innovation Minister Navdeep Baines, Natural Resources Minister Seamus O'Regan, and Environment Minister Jonathan Wilkinson will announce an investment in the oil and gas sector. Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bibeau will take part in an event commemorating the 75th anniversary of the founding of the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization. Minister of Families Ahmed Hussein will announce support for early learning, childcare and schools in Yukon. And Small Business Minister Mary Ng will speak virtually to young entrepreneurs as part of Small Business Week. 
And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Thursday, October 22nd. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.